Hello and welcome back to Hold a Complete Podcast. I'm Dr. Shantae and I'm excited to bring you the next part of the Liar Liar series, but we have a first. Instead of this being the finale, this is actually going to be part three of a four-part series. I realized in my interview with Lauren Jackson that we had, that conversation had gone so long, we had gone practically an hour. And so in order for you to get the most meaningful bits of this, talking first about the limitations that we put on ourselves in the first part of this interview. And then secondly, about the limits and the the things that we tell ourselves about how we misrepresent our emotions in the second part of the series, you're going to get that in the next episode. So I hope that you enjoyed this first part of the interview with Lauren Jackson as we continue the Liar Liar series on Whole and Complete Podcast. Here it is. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast, the podcast all about loving God and living well, giving you the tools and the resources for faith and wellness. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and we are entering the third part of the Liar Liar series. So if you are hearing this podcast for the first time, please go back and listen to the first two episodes. It's a series-based show. And so if you come in on the third part, trust me, you are missing big, swaths of context about what it is that we're talking about. So make sure you go back and listen to episodes one and two. But as we always do on our third episode, I am bringing in a very special guest, a millennial voice, okay, a voice for the ages. This Lauren Jackson. I've known Lauren for a number of years now, and I'm telling you, she has been so committed and ride and passionate about her work in the psychology field, about her certification. She has really been on her J-O-B and creating a platform for not just herself, but for women to kind of course correct and self-correct and live the best versions of themselves that they possibly can live. And so Lauren Jackson, welcome to the show. Thank you. You guys are going to find out through this episode uh, the same thing that I know about Lauren, just in her insights and her perspectives. I, um, and before we get into it, one of the things that I remember Lauren said, and I was like, oh, she's talking about me. You know how like the <laughs> preachers be talking about you, but they don't know they're talking about you. I'm like, oh, she just came down my pew. Okay. Okay, youngster. Okay. <laughs> I remember when she talked about when, when you experience hurt or when you experience a betrayal or what have you that you should raise your standards and not necessarily walls. And I was like, "Mm -mm, I like the wall. (laughs) Get out of my life. I don't like you no more. I ain't rocking with you no more. But you know, that's so unchristian. You know, God has called us, you know, to love one another. Mm -hmm. But love can be very hard to do. But I remember that I've never forgotten that, that, you know, raise your standards, not your walls, because, you know, hurt can hurt pain changes people. It really does. And and Lauren knows all about that. And I know she's done a lot of deep work with her clients on that. So let's jump into this episode. So you listen to the Liar Liar series, right? Yes. All right. So kind of got my life a little bit, but yes, I, I listened to it. See, everybody's <laughs> edges get snatched on this show. <laughs> Coming for all the edge snatchery. So so do tell. That's how we're gonna kick off the show. What is it that jumped out to you? in this series that you want to kind of touch base with our listeners? You know what's the biggest thing? I actually took this note from you, and it's something I never forgot from your old podcast. It was kind of like the whole micromanaging God type of situation, right? Mm. So it's kind of just like how our fear and our faith are kind of in a dance together, which one thing is kind of just like, it's okay to acknowledge the fear, but then you also have to question, 
what is your relationship like with God if that is the case? Because if you really believe that he's going to have your back, nobody's saying that the, the path is going to be smooth. Nobody's saying that the path is going to be easy, but there needs to be some type of faith for you to be able to rely on to say this too shall pass. When? We don't know, but eventually it should. But in that meantime, what are you telling yourself in that process? Because the, the ways that we do think about ourselves or life in general is a direct reflection on our relationship, not only with God, but also with yourself. Mm. So there's a lot of distrust that comes up for, for, for everybody, you know, in that regard. And so when I was listening to that, I was like, whoo, because, you know, for us, especially for us that are mental health therapists, we don't know when we're going to be able to see or when do we even feel comfortable seeing our clients again, Right. So then there's this whole idea of maybe I got to restructure this, maybe I got to, and then sometimes it's just like, sit back, chill, sit back and chill. Just, just allow certain things to, to play out while still doing what you know you're supposed to be doing in the meantime. That's it. I've learned through this process, all you can control is what you can control mm -hmm. and what you cannot control. There is just no, there's no value and investing your energy and investing your worries and your anxieties. Like the Bible literally says, you know, it doesn't kind of say, it literally says in black and white, cast all your cares, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. So it's not like God doesn't know that it's human nature to be wound up and, and caught up and what have you, but he's saying, here's what you need to do but we tend to have a hard time casting those cares. We tend to have a hard time because we're so, um, I think our culture is so steeped in kind of like self-efficacy. You can do this, you know, manifest yeah. this and manifest that. And, you know, we, we catch on to these buzzwords, right? Like manifestation and frequencies mm -hmm. and, and vibes and things like that. And God is like, okay, that's cute. But at the yeah. end of the day, <laughs> you know, you are really spending your energies on things that you cannot control. And at some point you are going to have to come face to face with, okay, do I trust God or do I not trust God? Well, and I also think too, we've, sometimes we're not even put in positions where we have to fully trust God. So now when you're in the middle of a whole pandemic, when literally there's nothing but to do is to trust God. Because we can't put our trust in man. We can't put our trust in the government. We can't put our trust in anything. If you really think about, about it, it, this is the first time where God has literally set the whole world down and say, all that little bit of control I allowed you to have. Now let's see how you think you're going to run this. And so again, it forces you to really look at what is that relationship like with you? What is that relationship really like with him? Because a lot of times he gives us the grace to be able to move around and do a lot of things. And now he's putting us in the position where now what you got? Who you really going to put your trust in? Oh, he so it really causes you to reflect. More than reflect. You got all the time in the world. <laughs> God put all of us on team have a seat. Okay. Man. It's like, oh, you thought you was doing something. Okay. But I do want to touch on something that you you mentioned that relationship with yourself. So in the first part of this series of the Liar Liar series, we talked about kind of like the self-limiting beliefs, okay? So these lies that we tell ourselves, you know, I can't this, I can't that, I can't what have you. From your perspective, when people doubt themselves in that way, because it's not just a self-limiting belief, but there is a doubt saying that I cannot do this. I don't have the ability to do this. From your perspective, where is that coming from? 
Well, I honestly really believe on whenever people say things like that, it makes me question, where did you hear that from? Right. So Mm. for me as a therapist, I always go back to the idea of what was your family life like? Was it affirming? Was it very doubtful? Did they put limits on it? Did you come from a family background where trauma was within the household? And so that caused, you know, fear based in the way that we interact with the world and the way that we see everything. Because a lot of times, too, we could be just reiterating things that were spoken over us and spoken to us, not necessarily things that we actually believe. Mm, So you got to be very mindful of where did I first get this notion to say I can only do this or this is all we can do. Where did that come from? And get really curious and specific on that because I promise you, you'll probably be able to connect a lot of dots as to where did this verbiage specifically come from? You know what, y'all? Usually at some point when I bring a therapist on this show, I do pass the collection plate, but it's usually towards (laughs) the end of the episode. But Lauren, they came on with it early. She said, where did you hear that from? And I think that one of the things that we keep coming back to kind of a recurring theme of this podcast is this examination of your roots, this Mm -hmm. coming back to your origin story and not only looking at your upbringing. So for many of us, we are first generation somethings. For many of us, we have gone further in our families than than most of our relatives in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in our education, whether it's monetarily or what have you. But in some way, shape, or form, we've kind of advanced the curve. And so it may not, and and you may have had even a positive family saying, oh, you can do it or we're proud of you. But at the same time, you may have lived with people Mm -hmm. who didn't think that way about themselves. You may have lived with people who didn't speak positively or in, in, words of faith about their own possibilities. Right, right. I I specifically look at that relationship sometimes we have with our parents Mm -hmm. because sometimes because they weren't able to give it to themselves, they go above and beyond and giving it to their children or they, they don't because they're trying to protect them from whatever the world is that they know them as parents can't control. So instead of allowing the child to really soar, they say, okay, soar, but not too high or do this, but, you know, stay humble. Or in, Instead of allowing the child to fully just get a real grasp on who they are, to have a deeper appreciation for that, right? It's kind of like we're always trying to, um, I always like to think about the kids that go from the, the training wheels to the big bikes, right? And the parents are always trying to be there to prevent them from falling. But sometimes you just got to let them fall. And that's okay. That really is okay. You're teaching them resilience. You're teaching them to trust themselves. You're teaching them healthy decision-making skills. You're teaching them that it's okay to fail because you can actually move forward from that failure. So a lot of times we have to be very mindful of the things we even speak to our children. But even still, if we look past just the family unit, let's look at our friendship dynamic because there's that famous saying, right? You know, the people you hang around is typically going to be the people that you end up becoming so you right. have to show me mindful. your friends and i'll show you your future exactly so then you have to be very mindful of and i shameless plug but i keep thinking about this whole thing between molly and esau insecure and how they right. just have this um very very toxic relationship to where you see their friendship is actually splitting apart because they're outgrowing those stages of each other After a while, you can only take in so much negativity before you say, I am actually tired of this. 
So we typically go from either we make an empowered choice to change or we bankrupt it because we just get tired of it altogether. Not to mention the fact that sometimes when we go to these places of, I can't do this, I can't do that. Sometimes you think that you can't do that because that's not what you've seen. But also Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something that you said in terms of how we tend to shy away. Uh, Specifically, I was reading uh, not too long ago out of uh, Shonda Rhimes book, The Year of Yes. And this dynamic that she noticed where every time a woman is paid a compliment, she immediately diminishes the compliment. You know, she's like, oh, it's nothing. Oh, no big deal. Oh, please. It I mean, just immediately. Mm -hmm. But then you give a man that same compliment. He's like, thank you. Appreciate, you know, appreciate (laughs) that. You know, like I, I got that. And I'm like, wow. You know, I didn't really notice that. But as you, as I think about it, even my own self, even if somebody pays me a compliment in the church, immediately I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. Yep. You know, like just give it to Jesus, you know, because that humility that you talk about, there's humility, but then there's something else. And I feel like we're into the something else category. On one hand, you know, we're humble and, and, and not to say that anybody should be braggadocious, but what is that something else that just doesn't allow us to to take a compliment and, and, and to receive it well. What, and I'm noticing this in women, men may do it too, you know, but specifically for, for us, what is that something else that keeps us from just being confident in our abilities in that way? And just saying, yeah, I did that. I think there's this whole thing about, you know, how society has shaped women as we are always kind of, well, not in my family, but docile or, um, you know, we have to, be mindful of how the world sees us, right? So we have to stay calm and demure. But I also like to think of it, there's this idea of a false humility, right? To where if I'm so meek and I'm so humble to the fact that people will still want to be attached to me in some form or or fashion. But I always like to tell a lot of my clients, you know, when you do that, you spit in the face of God because you're not giving him the glory of even just saying thank you because he gave you those gifts in the first place. So it's okay to say up here and say, hey, thank you for that. I really appreciate it because I did work hard because it's not like you're glorifying yourself. You're giving God back that glory in, in reality if you really think about it because if all things come through him, he's allowed you to be this worker. So if that's the case, be able to receive everything that comes from that not just intangible blessings, but in emotional blessings and emotional interactions that we all need in order to thrive and work in the world. So I, I hate the idea that we think that in order to see more success, we have to continue to diminish ourselves or get us to a humble place to where we're literally down on the ground. But eventually, when do you actually get to enjoy the works of your hard labor? And I'm not just mm. talking about in a financial sense. Again, emotionally i sit back and I look at like a lot of my clients, especially it's kind of just like, we don't know how to just be in the moment. And so we're automatically going to the next thing. She was like, Oh, okay, well this is cool. But the next thing I'm working on is like, but you let's take a step back. That was a huge accomplishment. I need you just to revel in that a little bit and know that I think this is the key factor. Know that you're worthy of receiving that in the first place. Cause I think a lot of us, continue to try to outdo the next thing or the last thing that we did because somewhere along the line we don't even feel like we're worthy of all the things that we have accomplished so it's constantly trying to chase something that you're never going to fully get because until you make that resolution within yourself to say 
I'm happy, I'm complete, I'm whole in this moment, you're constantly going to be chasing the next thing after the next thing. It's never going to be enough. Listeners, me and Lauren, we're on Zoom right now, and I can see her. She was brave enough to, to brave the camera, but that's not my <laughs> testimony. But I just, Lauren, I just want you to know that while you were talking, I had the neck roll like, honey, two snaps, two snaps. <laughs> because you said a whole mouthful. So let's just try to unpack some of, yeah. of what you've just said. First of all, there's this notion of shrinking to make other people comfortable. Yes. If I am too proud if i if my light shines too brightly then i'm going to somehow diminish my ability to be loved or to belong and i want to be loved and i want to belong but the people that i surround myself with are only comfortable loving me or accepting me if i'm not too high in the clouds if i'm if 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 they keep me grounded which is why a lot of times you'll hear people say even when they've accomplished these wonderful things um, I'll, I'll never forget this uh, stand-up Chris Rock. I think it was uh, Bigger and Blacker or Blacker and Deafer, one of those. And he said that a brother would get more respect coming home from jail than he would graduating <laughs> from college. And um, he said, you know, so what? You know, I can count two. One, two, four, five, counting these rocks, you know? So what? You ain't nobody. You know, that sort of thing. And so some of us come from those types of yeah. of toxic environments it's not that our families don't love us and it's not that our friends don't love us and care about us yet i i will never forget this quote i remember reading one time it says that a woman but i i wouldn't just say a woman i'll say a person will never allow in another person what they don't allow in themselves and so when you come from a, an environment that only allows so much that mm -hmm. only believes so much that's too afraid to to dream bigger or to reach higher or to go further when you come from that you become very uncomfortable taking credit for your hard work. You know, you, you, you become very uncomfortable because not only is the air up there very rare, okay, because you're not taking a whole lot of people with you. So the air up there yeah. is rare. It's a whole different thing. But at the same time, we still want to be ex accepted in our groups of origin and our communities of origin. And so there's this thing that we do where we shrink back to make other people feel comfortable. And that is something that's very toxic. Another thing that you said was this notion that of, of humility or, or just moving on to the next thing. Because a lot of times I see this, a lot of times I see that we tend to think that we just kind of lucked up on it. Yeah. It's, you know, like, really, you think you lucked up on that master's degree? Yeah. You think you lucked up on that doctoral program? You, you think you lucked up? on that promotion, you know, like, oh, you know, let, let's not spend too much time on that because I don't want to be exposed. You know, I, I just kind of looked up on it and, and, and let's just move right on. We're not even comfortable taking the W. You know, no. we'll take the L's all day long and, you know, and we'll, we'll cry and moan and share. We don't have no problem sharing the losses. But when we win, was like, well, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want people to think a certain way about me and, and I didn't want folks feeling some kind of way. So what is that about? Ooh, geez, Louise. I think we get comfortable with that, though. You get comfortable with losing after a while because you know what to expect with that. A lot of times we say that there's a fear in actually being successful. We don't know what comes with that because in reality, if you think about it, with success comes also a lot of changes. You outgrow a lot of your social circles. You are forced to change outside of that mindset that kept you safe. 
and I like to put air quotes around safe because it's again the idea of this is what I know this is what I can control this is the outcome that I have however when you begin to see positive changes in your life it's really hard and I tell my clients this too I'm really big on like educating my clients about the things that they do like from like a psychological aspect because once you have that education and once you begin to actually implement those things, it's going to be hard for you to do things that goes against what you know works best for you. Mm. And so when you do that, you're making a conscious decision to self-sabotage. And a lot of times when we self-sabotage, that's just unconscious. We don't even recognize it, right? But then when you begin to actually educate yourself about you, then you start to say, dang it, this doesn't work anymore. And we try to hold on to that for dear life instead of just embracing that. But again, because we've been conditioned so long to operate in this, it's, it's hard to just let those things go. No, that makes total perfect sense. And this, this notion of comfortability, we're comfortable with losing or we're comfortable with a certain amount of success. But beyond that, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what that entails. And we know that the systems that we have to just maintain the status quo are not going to work. Up the, you know, it's, it's, it's just like when you upgrade your phone or you upgrade yep. your laptop or what have you, which I've just gone through. So I, I, my little laptop, my, my previous Apple, I had that sucker from 2013 to 2020. So for I seven years, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're good machines. Don't get me wrong, but it just got to a point where I had to, to move on and upgrade. Mm -hmm. And when I tried to open up some of the apps, when I tried to open up some of the, the, the programs that I had been using on the old system, they just were not compatible yeah. with the new system. And such, so it is with, with us is that one of the reasons why we keep ourselves trapped in these, these levels of comfortability is because we know that the, the things that we're doing at that level are not going to be compatible yeah. with, with what God is calling us to do for, for, for bigger things, for higher things, for more successful things. And so, rather than than tempt fate or rather than walk out on faith and say oh i'm not i'm not comfortable with that system then we're content to kind of stay where we are and yeah. another thing is you know are you familiar with the um the versus entertainment franchise yes. with Timberland and oh, um yes. and swiss beats you know so they've been putting these it's a celebration of the culture but they've been doing these quote-unquote music battles on instagram live you know with these these big name and marquee people and I was watching the kind of post commentary the other day and Swiss Beats was talking about LL Cool J and he was talking to LL and LL was like, listen, I'll consider it. He said, you know, but my career spans, he said, I started this in 1984. My career spans 30 plus years, you know, so there are some people that know me from the battle rap days. Mm -hmm. There are people that know me from the, you know, Hey Lover, Lounging, you know, R&B, you know, those types yeah. of days. There are people that know me from other aspects of my music discography. He says, so I'm not going to step into the arena with just anybody. Right. He said, you know, now if somebody want to call me out, if somebody, you know, want to want to step to the plate and challenge me, because they were talking about maybe Ice Cube because he's had a similar yeah. career, even though they rap about different things. But he said, if somebody, you know, wants to step into that arena, he said, I'll consider it. <laughs> In other words, he knew enough about himself and enough about his brand and enough about the work that he put in to say, it's not an automatic yes, mm -hmm. but it's something that I'll think about. Yeah. And I think that that says, again, 
that's a man <laughs> with a full understanding of, of what he's built and what he's done and, and the brand that he's developed. But then when they come over to our side, someone asks us to do something and we don't even consider our boundaries. We don't even consider our that. time. We don't even, cause we're just so honored to have been asked. We're just like, oh yes, oh sure, oh no, no problem. Without doing those things that you just talked about. It's like, wait a minute. You mm -hmm. need to reassess your value. You know, your stock has gone up and you, you, you don't even realize that your stock has gone up. Yeah. yeah, I think I was, I was definitely guilty of that in the beginning when I was first getting my first brand off the ground and I was just so eager to do everything and everything. But then I had to sit back and say, okay, I have literally burnt myself out. I am tired, I am exhausted, and I'm still doing a full-time job that needs all my energy too. There might be things I cannot make all the time or I cannot extend myself to or it might be i remember it was some brands that would reach out to me and i'd be like this doesn't even align with me so why would i even sit up here and put myself out there like that if this isn't going to even make sense in the long run you know and i think a lot of times we forget that we have the ability to make a choice and a decision you know a lot of times um, one of my clients i love how she says you know a lot of times i just gave away my turn and i didn't even realize i was doing it mm. and, and it was kind of like I had her expand on that. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She was like, a lot of times I would just automatically, because I was so fearful of people leaving my life, I would just do whatever I need to do in my mind to keep them close or to keep whatever I needed relevant, relevant. So I'm, I'm going to overextend myself, but then get upset when it's not reciprocated. And she said, now I'm learning how to take my turn. And taking my turn means I'm going to accept whatever compliments come my way. I'm going to say no when I actually feel like saying no. When there's an argument that I see is about to ensue instead of the old me engaging in it, I'm going to say, is this even worth my time? You know, so it's taking those times to really step back, reflect, and then think about what is the healthiest way to respond. Because I think we're just so used to responding and reacting that we don't take those times to really consider, reflect. think process you know all the explored all those things that we really need to do before we make just decisions you know our choices have value and you have to place the value on what those decisions are my neck is rolling again i want you to know that um <laughs> you hear that listeners you better take your turn you know you allowing other people to, to go up front of you and and that's actually when you said that the, the image that i had in my head is sometimes when you're in line, sometimes you're at the grocery store or mm -hmm. sometimes you might be at the amusement park and when you're not ready to go forward, you allow other people to go ahead of you. You'd be like, oh, you can take my turn or, or you can go ahead. I'll yeah. just stay right here because you're waiting for someone to show up or you're waiting for someone to come back with a product or you're, you're just kind of standing there and you're waiting. And so, you know, these lies that we tell ourselves, going back to the central theme of, of this episode in this series, these lies that we tell ourselves oftentimes are so intertwined in our connections to other people are so intertwined in, well, what's so-and-so going to do? And how is this going to make so-and-so feel instead of, as you said, realizing that we have some choice, we have some agency, you know, we, we can take our turn and how people feel about that. It's not our job to manage other people's emotions. Nope. It's not our job to manage other people's expectations in terms of, of who we are supposed to be. Everybody has their own canvas to paint on. And so you paint on your canvas and whatever that picture turns out to be for, for Lauren is great. And then I have my canvas and what that picture turns out to be for Shantae is great. But Lauren can't get mad at Shantae because, oh, see, I don't like your brush strokes. 
Yep. Oh, see, I don't like that color. Oh, wh- wh- why are you doing portrait? I prefer landscape. Wait a minute. It's your picture. It's not That's <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, one of the things that we need to be very careful of when we're talking about what we can't do and where we can't go and, and what we don't have the capabilities of facilitating in our lives, we need to be very careful and, and go back to the root of that, as Lauren said, and say, where is this really coming from? Why do I really think this? And at the core of it, what am I really afraid of? And I'll give you a perfect example before I pivot over to part two of, of our series, which is talking about the emotions. So I remember the first time that I traveled abroad by myself. I'm a solo traveler. Well, you know, back in the days when we right. could, we could <laughs> travel, you know, I, I said on social media the other day, I said, I'll take a middle seat at this point. I mean, I'm just, man. But when I first went, this is back in 2017, I got, I had just been promoted to full professor and I, I was just like you said, I would get these accomplishments and just move right on without taking a minute to revel, without taking a minute to be like, wait a minute. Hey, I just did something. And I had gotten a generous gift and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a trip. I'm going to, I'm going to bite the bullet and take my first trip abroad alone. Mm-hmm. Girl, do you know my family hit me with every newspaper oh, article clip of woman been snatched, uh, never heard from again. Oh. I mean, just, oh boy. And just had plied me with so much fear. And of course they do these things out of care and love and concern. But I realized in that moment, I said, I have a choice to make here. Mm -hmm. I have some agency here. At the end of the day, I'm going to control what happens in this outcome. And I decided to go and praise God, I came back in one piece. But it's that sort of thing is that when you decide to take a, a deviation away from what people think you should be doing or go further than they've ever gone, because people in my family, I think, wow, I think I am. Aside of the people that went to the military and got deployed somewhere, I am the first person in my family to travel internationally. My, my mom and dad, they don't have passports. You know, my aunties and them, they don't have passports. So I'm like a first generation passport person, you know, and they're like, look, we don't know about all that. Right. And and so because they don't know about all that, you know, it was immediately like, let me try to to tamper, let me try to hinder. And even though we are in the middle of a, a pandemic, you know, me and my daughter, we were set. I had a spring break trip all planned because, you know, I wanted to take her on her first little trip abroad. Mm-hmm. And my family, when they started hearing the news, the same thing. Are y'all still going? Yeah. Turns out we would have been safer where we was going than we are in the United States. The United States has more cases than anywhere yep. in the world. <laughs> yep. But that's just a, a prime example of sometimes you let other people's fears and concerns and what have you control and facilitate the outcome about what you can and cannot do. But having said that, let's pivot over to the other side of this, which is the emotions. And so that is where we're going to leave it for the third part of this series. I know it was just getting good. And so next week, we are going to pivot into the emotional conversation about the misrepresentations that we have with our emotions continuing this conversation with Lauren Jackson. So you guys don't want to miss it. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you know, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says you can find Lauren and Lauren's practice at cultivate your essence 
on all social media platforms and make sure that you tune in and go and show her some love and go and support her platform as well. Also, as I always ask in every episode, there's so many ways to support this show. So you can send it out to your friends from text to text. You can share it on your social media platforms. If you want to continue to support this platform, if you want to do that in a financial way, then you can certainly head over to patreon.com forward slash Dr. Shantae and continue to support the show in those ways. But No matter what, I appreciate your support. And those of you that have written reviews, I appreciate you so much because that is what attracts and draws more and more listeners to this show. So if you have time to write a review this week or to rate this show, I would greatly appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next time.